This is Contrapreneur, Episode 7. I'm Sarah Danu, host of Contrapreneur, where we share the stories of leaders and thinkers making the world a better place through business. Our inspiring guest will empower you with takeaways from their experience, whether you're starting and growing a good business of your own, or just considering the impact of business for the first time. We'll learn about the current state of impact businesses and our interconnection with them. A contrapreneur is everything an entrepreneur is, and a bit more. Contrapreneurs are running businesses for financial profitability, but not at a cost to the environment or people they do business with. We'll talk with entrepreneurs about what sparked them to do what they do, learn about their day-to-day, and talk tips about getting where you want to go. Subscribe here to Contrapreneur and you'll get the episodes as soon as they come out. Meet Bella Weinstein, the founder of Handyman Goods. Handyman was born in 2014 when Bella found herself underwhelmed with the selection of well-made, durable clothing for women in the marketplace. Working as a hairstylist with a ton of hands-on hobbies, woodworking, riding motorcycles, tearing down walls, and building new ones, Bella needed workwear that could fit with her can't-sit-still lifestyle. So she got hands-on and made her own. Bella had no background in design or fashion, but she found the resources she needed to create a technical, super durable women's workwear piece. Bella's story is something else. We talk in detail about using Kickstarter to launch a business then and now. Bella shares her vision for slow, quality, product-focused growth, talks about the challenges of producing clothing in America, and shares what she's learned about business and herself through her work with Handyman. Meet Bella Weinstein founder and creator of Handyman. Say somebody has never heard of Handyman, what is Handyman? Um, Handyman has kind of taken on her own persona, I feel like. Um, it didn't necessarily start like that. I think initially it started as me just trying to fill a void. I always knew I wanted to create something more than just a clothing brand, and so I think it's taken on its own kind of personality that people connect to, and I hope that people see the people that are supporting us sees a little bit of themselves in her, mm-hmm. but I think she's kind of her own woman at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think know. that happens to businesses, all of them. They all become their own entity with their own needs and personalities that might be totally different than the direction you'd intended. Absolutely. But, um, and it's almost like all the best qualities in all of us, you know, like uh-huh. it's not anyone in particular, but... Um, you know, she's strong, she's funny, but smart, you know, or at least I hope she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, someone who's trying to kind of break down stereotypes and, you know, she's someone who is beautiful and feminine, but also very handy. Uh-huh. And your physical product is, you have a few. You yeah. have the coveralls. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me some details? Yeah. Um, we started out with the coverall. That was our kind of flagship. We knew we wanted to start with something, or I knew I wanted to start with something that was like very iconic and strong. Um, and soon after, we had developed the drapery and uh, the chore jacket, and now we just recently came out with an overall. Okay. And these are all made to do work in, and they're sturdy pieces that are yes. meant to get dirty and, and live long lives. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Function, for sure, comes first always, but form is equally as important to me. Um, I think, again, that's the whole reason this all started is because I felt like you either had to choose from something that fit well and looked nice and something that functions the way it should. And um, so we're trying to kind of fill that void a little bit and combine the two. Um, And just because you get dirty doesn't mean you don't want to look good and presentable while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen randomly people wearing, like at the Renegade Craft in San Francisco, I saw someone wearing 
your overalls oh, awesome. um, at the event a year ago, and you definitely succeed in that. I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it, like it, you exude confidence when you when you feel good. You know, uh-huh. whether you look you look good to someone else or not. Or I guess what I'm trying to say is you. It, it's a feeling that you get from hopefully wearing them too, right? It's uh-huh. like I've heard multiple times, like, I feel like Superwoman in this thing. It's, like, awesome. That's uh-huh. what you should feel like, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Um, so I, I definitely want it to do more than just cover you. Can you tell me a bit about your background? Did you make clothing before Handy Ma'am, or where did this come from? I had no background in, you know, clothing and design or sewing, for that matter. Um, my background comes from just working with my hands. I was a hairdresser for many years. Now I still do some prop styling and, you know, I'll tear down walls and build new ones in my own home. Um, I guess I'm just a hands-on type of person and I want to be wearing something that keeps up with, keeps up with me. It truly came from just a need mm-hmm. um, and I figured out the rest as, I, as I've been going. I started the brand when I lived in New York and I had a friend, and her name was Schaefer, and she is, that's her background, she's a tech designer, and so um, I kind of told her about this idea that I had, and how I want to create something that truly supports women who work with their hands, and she was super into the project, and kind of helped me make it, make it happen. Um, so I, I kind of came up with all the designs, you know, I would come to her with sketches, or um, bring a sample garment that's like, you know, I really like this seam in this pocket or I like how this is hanging on this. But she was the one that actually uh, helped me make it a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, it was an idea that turned obsession. And then I did a lot of reading and asked a million questions to anyone I really could. And luckily, mm-hmm. being in New York, there's a lot of people you can ask questions to True. Um, in, in that industry. So I think it was just like right place, right time. Uh-huh. And just like having enough of a, uh, you know, wanting to learn mm-hmm. um, that kind of made it all happen. But I think ultimately, if you want to learn anything, you can. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> you know, if you have the drive to do it, you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Was, did you have an intention to start a business before you got into Handyman, or was that something that the idea fueled no. your desire? Yeah, it was definitely an idea first. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess I definitely didn't want to just make one, so uh-huh. that naturally turned into a business for sure, but it wasn't like, I want to start a business, what kind of business should I start? The spark actually came from <laughs> maybe an unhealthy obsession with collecting jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> and that's um, also a habit that New York can probably So, yeah, um, it was like I had probably more than I'd like to admit, just vintage, anything, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but none of them fit quite right. I mean, I'm small. I'm 5'2", uh-huh. and, and I generally kind of veer towards the men's section a lot, and so I end up in, like, little boys' jumpsuits a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Well, most jumpsuits that would be old – would be men's totally and and men were a little smaller back then so it kind of worked out to my advantage but Uh um yeah I guess it was you know a lot of things all at once like I love doing stuff around the house and fixing things and actually my roommates have that's where the name came from my roommates at the time I used to say like oh it's a handy ma'am job and I do this little Uh (laughs) I do this little motion with my arm and um so when I told my roommate that I wanted to to do this, she was like, well, you already have a name. And I uh-huh. was, 
and so she, she was the one that pointed it out. She's like, I mean, you're obviously going to call it handyman. I love it. Um, but that was already what I called something I would do around the house, you know? Uh -huh. So the name was in circulation before it, even the business was. Uh huh. Your production began with Kickstarter, right? We had yeah. one run before Kickstarter. So we had one coverall run, and then our um, production facility basically dropped us because um, the garment was more complicated than they wanted to deal with. Uh -huh. And so in order to get the second run and start with a new factory, which all those things mean money, I mean, you're creating a, a campaign, right? And that means, like, essentially you're creating a marketing campaign, which requires copywriting, it requires good photography, it requires good video content, and then that's just get to get it to the point ready to launch. And then when you're in that 30 days, you need to make sure people know about it. So it's making sure you have enough content to last you that 30 days and remind people over and over again that they should be a part of this. Um, because we launched... The business on a website and in a space that I felt really confident about like I in the quality of the work I wanted the I didn't want the Kickstarter to cheapen it if you believe in this brand and you want it to exist just you know pre-order pre -order. Pre -order. Uh -huh. yeah. did you have any experience in, in marketing to help you create the marketing campaign that went behind Kickstarter or no I mean that's yeah I feel like the brands come so naturally it's been a lot of like going off of my gut which has worked so far uh -huh. um but yeah I had no marketing experience um but I've always been really clear on what I want to say yeah and you exceeded your goal um of forty thousand dollars by about thirty thousand dollars right yeah, so yeah. it exceeded your expectations absolutely yeah, yeah. I mean the, the response was huge and I I think the best part and it's lasted you know even now is, you know, it started, I think, with, like, a couple people who found it organically, for sure, and friends and family, but as their network shared that, and, you know, it kept going and going and going, I, I was blown away by how many people, like, it resonated with, uh -huh. um, and I think by having that first run out there for a year and a half or so, that also helped, like, we uh -huh. had product that we had tested, and, you know, that we had actual women out there using the product, and, and speaking up for it. So uh -huh. I think that was huge in the success. We were able to expand our sizing before we were only extra small to large, and now we're extra, extra small to extra, extra large. And, and you we did that with the Kickstarter? With the Kickstarter, the start? yeah, because um, I think what people don't realize is any time you expand your sizing or you're paying extra attention to fit, that comes with an extra cost of sewing extra samples and, and you know, mm -hmm. making sure you have the right models in order to make sure that this, like, extra large that you got from math is truly going to work in reality mm -hmm. on, a, on a 3D figure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what sets us apart, too, is we actually spend that extra time and development costs in creating a product for different body types that are truly fit to those body types, not just... Not just 10% larger. Exactly. Because that Ex might not work. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. Especially with women. And I think that's why it's so much harder to find, especially workwear that doesn't have a, all that stretch. You know, uh -huh. all those other things that kind of make up for our bodies being different. If you're working with, with fabrics that are more structured, it just is that much harder to get it to fit well. And how long did it take you from finishing your Kickstarter to producing the garments and shipping them out to the supporters? Longer than I'd like to admit. Even though we had a pattern that we thought was totally done, again, things like what we just talked about, the 
uh-huh. you know, fit needing a little extra judging or, yeah. you know, fabrics not acting uh, the way, you know, we, we sampled a fabric, but then actually in production, it acted a different way. Like we've had a lot of little snafus. So um, we started really like going into the nitty gritty in January and then we were supposed to ship out in March or April, but we didn't end up shipping out until July, August. And there's still a handful of customers that are that we've have a lot of correspondence with, but are waiting on some because of a fabric didn't work out the way we thought we thought mm-hmm. they would. But um, yeah, just having that extra time to really um, test everything beforehand to produce something. Yeah, that you're yeah, going absolutely. To be yeah. And customers. And I'm I, I guess I'm also extra anal when it comes to any of that stuff. Like I don't want to put out a product that I don't feel proud of and uh-huh. that I don't think is going to actually stand up against the things that our customers are you uh-huh. know expecting. Did you reach out to media outlets or did the Kickstarter backers sharing the campaign? Or um, I think it was mostly the backers. We had um, one connection, Mindy from Tom Tom Magazine, which is uh, an all-female drummer magazine. She's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, you guys should all pick up a magazine. Um, she was a huge supporter and she put an ad in her in her magazine for us. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, a lot, like I said, lots of friends and family. Um, I think people who are in, actually in industries that work with their hands. Uh-huh. So even if it wasn't like, even if we didn't have a ton of numbers, we had like, we were actually had those people that we were trying to reach. Uh-huh. Anyone who's thinking about launching a product, I actually think it's a great way to do it because uh-huh. if it doesn't work on Kickstarter, it's a really good test whether people are going to respond to it outside of Kickstarter. Without I mean, spending your Without money. spending your money, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously it hurts to not have something be funded, but what hurts even more is to take out some crazy loan and get into debt for the rest of your life because of an idea that you think is a good idea and your uh-huh. friends say it is a good idea, but are they actually going to you absolutely. Know, buy it? Because that's the only way it's going to work. I do know one thing that probably helped us is that we got chosen as a like Kickstarter star. Uh-huh. They liked your campaign. They, so yeah, they it was like a, it was a featured campaign. Uh-huh. And I don't, and I, so I guess it was on their page for, for a day. Your products last forever, I'm kind of assuming. And yeah, probably get I better mean, with age for a lot of yeah, years. Yeah, I think we obviously encourage you to beat them up. Um, so, I mean, you'll get a hole, but we... Uh-huh help you repair it and things like that. And we're actually trying, we are working with a local um, woman who does repairs. We're trying to kind of make that part of our Uh offerings too. So you probably don't get yet a lot of repeat customers because I'm assuming that the first garment they've purchased is still in great shape. Yeah, no, definitely we get repeats in the sense that they want another piece of ours. Uh Um, And then we've had people, we actually have this woman who has like every color chore coat that we make. Like they love the garment so much that they just want it in a different color. Uh But yeah, not, we haven't, you know, knock on wood, haven't had people who are like, oh, we, you know, we busted through it so quickly. What have you learned about yourself because of Handyman? I'm terrible at delegating. Really? (laughs) I just hired my first um, part-time employee, but everyone else is more just on a freelance basis. So, Uh you know, I need a photographer, I hire a photographer, or 
freelancers, um, I guess the closest thing was Schaefer really helped in the beginning, especially. Uh -huh. um, but at this point, the day-to-day -day is just me, yeah. So do you tend to wait too long to bring in a freelancer? Yeah. I, you know, we like I said, I just hired my first-time employee just to help me with, like, email campaigns. I should have done that so long ago. But now that you have hired your first part-time employee to help you, is it that you feel like you're able to be so much more productive? Yeah, I think... Yes and no. I think part of it is also learning like how to let go of part of the voice, for instance. You know, uh -huh. if you're hiring someone to help you with some of the writing or whatever, it's um, letting that person kind of take the reins. It, yeah, if you're used to working by yourself all the time, it's it seems easier to just do it yourself rather than explain to that person how to do it, but that's mm -hmm. not the case. And I've always kind of thought that this is going to be or hopefully going to be something more than just clothes and I'm never going to get there if I'm stuck doing like the smaller tasks. You want to have it more about the community or do you mean expanding the product? A little bit of both but I see our product line growing very slowly. I, uh -huh. I, I always kind of saw it as like we're trying to create new classics and we spend a lot on the development and so I'm not in a rush to launch six new products this year you know uh -huh. if anything one or two but I, we're extending our collaboration series so that mm. that means more like us working with other artists um, to create yeah. something that's unique and kind of lifts up lifts us both up. What do you have in the future? Will it be your first collaboration? No, we've, we've done a couple so far. So we did um, one with an illustrator in town um, where we kind of designed a t-shirt together. Okay, I've seen that. Um, we collaborated with a sign painter and oh, okay. did some like kind of handyman-esque uh -huh. uh, signs. Did you sell them to your customers too? Yeah. If you want? Yeah. yeah. So we've been selling them at events and things like that. But I just feel like that's so much more interesting than creating products too frequently. And, and it's more engaging, I think. Are you working to collaborate on a garment with other designers? Yeah. Too? That's, some, that's something that's in the future too. Okay. Um, I don't want to talk about it yet because I fine. don't know exactly how that's going to pan out. But uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, what we can say is collaboration in general, I think, is just kind of the way of business in the future, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm less about competition and more about kind of sharing ideas. And a lot of things that we've had trouble with actually is, um, you know, keeping our production in the U.S. in, in a cost-effective way. Mm -hmm. And so I also think collaborating with other um, businesses that are already well-established in the U.S. is a great way to kind of like keep that production in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and also make it so that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Just a quick break. It's me, Sarah Danu, founder and creator behind Contrapreneur. Thank you so much for listening. I've just launched a Patreon campaign for Contrapreneur. If you've never heard of Patreon, it's in a way you can make the work of creators viable by contributing as little as a dollar. I'm really just hoping to cover the cost of editing this podcast. $100 would be a huge start, and we are currently at $10, one-tenth of the way. So I need a few more dollars to meet my goal. I tried to edit these myself when I launched, and let's just say you have no idea how grateful you are they are being professionally edited. But that costs money, and it feels better to me to be funded by the people who enjoy and learn from my work rather than advertisers. If you support that, you can go to patreon.com slash contrapreneur and give a little. It'll mean the world to me. What does success mean to you personally? Success means mental health. Uh -huh. <laughs> it means you know, being comfortable 
being able to travel, but also doing something that you care about on a day to day. I've been very lucky that I have always had work that I want to be doing. Has mental health become in, has it come into play with Handyman in particular, helping you? I guess I started with that because um, being happy is more important than being busy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like we get stuck in this cycle of like, oh, how are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm so busy. It's like, is that is that a good or a bad thing? I just can't tell sometimes. You know? I banned the word busy. I banned it. Years I ago. yeah. I never. Busy. I feel like I need to because um, uh-huh. I don't really know how else to be. That's just kind of my personality. But definitely, right after the Kickstarter and doing this, and it's not my full time thing quite yet. Um, uh-huh. I still have to substitute in other work and. So, you know, it's lots of juggling, and I definitely had to come to a point this summer where I was like, wait, why am I doing this again? <laughs> you know, like, what what is important to me? Where do I want to take this? You know, what what do I absolutely have to do to pay the rent, and, and what's extra, and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you can't be an entrepreneur without self-care. Like, if yeah. you're not putting yourself first, you're not going to have an idea that's yeah. creative enough to have a business. Absolutely. You and, just get burnt out, and you uh-huh. kind of start disliking it, and then you get in this whole kind of, like, mind game, and uh, it's just not good. So I think just taking taking time to really, like, reevaluate what you're doing and reevaluate often going forward and being okay with slow growth if I can have more flexibility and more time. Uh That's always going to be worth more to me and making sure that my business is still staying true to why I started in the first place and I'm not just like making things to make things, Mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, I would love to get to a point where I grow where I can, you know, have a couple employees and pay them well and give them benefits and and give them flexibility also, you know. Uh So I think like quality of life is always going to come first. Yeah. What is your other job that you have right now? Um, I'm also a prop stylist. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I use my garments on a day-to-day and yeah. build and make things. And um, that's such a good skill set to keep developing for yourself for Handyman, too, in any future. And I kind of realized that this summer I was putting stress on, like, having to choose something or, like, uh-huh. having to make Handyman my full-time thing. And I finally was like, but I enjoy both, so why? Uh-huh. You know? Um, and they both feed me in different ways. What channels have been most successful to sell for you? Instagram has been huge for us. I uh-huh. feel like once, you know, everything changes, and I'm sure one day Instagram will be obsolete. But, yeah, it's been huge. I think it's, like, the visual aspect of it obviously is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to, like, connect with your customers, like, one-on-one. Like, I have multiple conversations with, like, people who have questions and instead of going through, you know, in a bigger company where you feel like you have to like go through all these steps in order to get the answer you want, someone can just ask me directly. So uh-huh. it's been huge for us. I've seen like, especially in the past week, even way and way more small businesses talking about the algorithm and how their posts are getting no visibility. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's true. It is very true. And it's kind of scary because yeah. we really rely on it. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know what, I mean, that's, obviously part of why we tried to up the email thing is if this becomes an avenue that we can't take advantage and how do how do we reach our customers Uh uh-huh one more thing about instagram i think 
you have a very visual product that um, people take pictures of themselves yeah. and post them and they see largely your product because it's the one piece covering their whole body. And yeah. so I think you're in a really good place for the visual sort of um, feed that Instagram has been or yeah. um, other visual feeds too. And I think that can be a lot harder for a business that doesn't have such a visual product like yep. um, someone making keychains or skincare. And you can totally photograph that with some beautiful prop styling work. Um, but clothing, I think, has an advantage there. That Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, ultimately it becomes a good tool because people can kind of see, oh, she's similar to my body type. Totally. That's how... Mm -hmm. that's how it would probably look on me so it's yeah. I mean again it's been huge and we try and give back honestly because it really does help us when people share you know share themselves in, in the product and so uh -huh. I'm hoping that we're also elevating that person and whatever they want to be seen as you know and that's really nice too because that's your brand story those women that are out there working and doing yeah. projects yeah. wearing your clothes that's the point right I, yeah so. absolutely so you know I'm hoping that people are seeing that that okay yeah she's wearing the clothes but also look at this all awesome thing that she puts out into the world so. uh-huh how do you take care of yourself to do what you do exercising actually so um that's kind of the only time where my mind stops uh-huh what exercise <laughs> um, does that for I you? rock climb it's hard to, to get my brain to stop so when I'm rock climbing um or even walking my dogs is is a form of exercise for me but yeah um you're problem solving but it's it's a totally different type of problem solving than you have to do when you're running your own business or uh -huh. trying to think of a creative way to show this product you know so mostly that and then the very social person so then I think just like being around people and having good conversations is is a mm -hmm. good way to keep me happy too is that something you had to work harder to continue for yourself now that you're running your own business in a weird way, yes, because um, when I'm working in the studio, a lot of the time I'm alone. Although now that I moved to this space, I actually have a, a roommate, which is really nice. Um, uh -huh. But I'm definitely more social than I thought when I was doing a job that it just naturally put me in a place where I was talking to people mm -hmm. all day. It was a hairdresser for a long time, mm -hmm. so I literally had the stamina to talk for all day. <laughs> yeah, you know, eight to ten hours uh -huh. and. Uh, when I stopped doing that, I was like, oh, maybe yeah. I need to do this a little bit more than I than I gave myself credit for. Part of this job makes it pretty easy, though, because I'll be like, oh, I'll go to my friend's show she's having. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like showing support. And, you know, through Handy Mammon, through just Richmond being really small, there's, there's a nice, like, tight-knit group of small business owners, makers. And Absolutely. So I try and kind of get out there, too, and support those people as much as I can. So uh -huh. that makes it pretty easy, I guess. If somebody were to come to you interested in starting their own clothing business, what advice would you have for them? Make sure your vision is clear. Mm -hmm. I guess would be the best way to put it is um, because there's so many products out there. And if you don't know exactly why your product is different, then no one else is going to know either. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So I guess, yeah, that would probably be the number one is like make sure you have a very clear vision before you start dumping money into anything. As we were talking earlier, I never got into this because I was like, I want to start a business. Uh -huh. It was like an idea first. And uh -huh. um, I think that's a more realistic expectation of what of the clothing business anyways. Absolutely. Yeah. Who are three business people or businesses who inspire you? 
Well, you mentioned one of them. Elizabeth Suzanne is huge. Um, a lot of my peers at this point are kind of my inspiration. So I'm, I'm by no means comparing myself to Elizabeth Suzanne, but uh-huh. she's in this similar realm, I think. Um, people who are spending their dollar where and their energy where I feel like is a communal way of doing it. Gamine Co. is another woman who does work where, and she kind of came up, her name is Taylor Johnson. She came up around the same time I did, and I'd like to get to know her better, but I've reached out to her before, and she's been so awesome and friendly, and uh-huh. I just love that there's, I don't feel competitive with um, the women who are in a similar world, the more the merrier. G-A-M-I-N-E makes work pants. Okay. And she, she has a small line, too. I also really admire a lot of the artists that we're, that we're featuring and how they've kind of turned their art form into something that they can support themselves and their families. Katie Gong is an artist out in San Francisco that I have featured before and is, a, is another woman that I kind of wrote to blindly uh-huh. and was just really open and humble about like, who she is and what she does and uh-huh. and just like willing to kind of help and share and she's she was great for us during our campaign so um, you wrote to her before she even had a garment you reached out to her first yeah or... so I guess I knew her I um connected with her through her partner Brett uh-huh. um but I didn't have a relationship with her really at all and yeah. I just kind of reached out and told her what we were doing and um she was like, I'll test out the garment and give you my real feedback. And uh-huh. we've kept a relationship since. She lives in San Francisco, which is where I'm from. So I've gone to see her. And the way she uses social media, it, like you said, you can really tell when someone is genuine and when someone isn't, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, I think her art is really beautiful. And the way she presents herself, I uh-huh. I think, is in a, like, a beautiful but also um, relatable way. If people want to find out more about you or Handyman, where can they find you? The website, handymamgoods.com. We're on Instagram, at handymamgoods. And then I have a personal website where I have some of my prop styling stuff, and that's bellamaxine.com. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you liked it, I'd really appreciate it if you gave us five stars on iTunes. You can also support the production and editing of our work by becoming a Patreon. Even one dollar will help me pay to have these edited so I can keep producing Contrapreneur. Go to patreon.com slash contrapreneur to learn about that. If you're a handyman on the move yourself, Bella is kind enough to offer us a coupon code for 10% off. The coupon is just the word contrapreneur. This isn't sponsored. We don't have sponsors other than you, our Patreons. But if you're in need of some women's workwear, this is the place to get it. I got to try on nearly every piece Handyman makes after our interview, and I must say, these garments are something special. Bella has also done some super cool collaborations with other artisans worth checking out. Find it all at handymamgoods.com and use the code CONTRAPRENEUR for 10% off. Next episode, we'll be talking with Sky Team Yoga founders Chrissy Jones and Chloe Kernahan in New York City. We talk about starting a yoga studio, truly supporting your staff, and the future of wellness. Also, big news, Contrapreneur now has a secret Facebook group. I'll be posting about who I'm interviewing beforehand so you can tell me what questions you have for the guest, sharing special top secret entrepreneur things, and just discussing the podcast with you. Find it by searching Contrapreneur Secret Facebook Group on Facebook.
If you want to be sure not to miss an episode, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else podcast or listen to. Or go to contrapreneurship.com slash listen to get an email when a new episode is released. You can also find us on all the social media as Contrapreneur. Thanks for being here, Contrapreneurs. Talk again soon. Super soon if you find me on the secret Facebook group.